and welcome to episode 17 of Getting Real About. In today's episode, Corey and Kristen are getting real about women in leadership. They talk about the true definition of a leader and what being a good leader means to them. They discuss feelings of imposter syndrome and how important it is to have a mentor and sponsor in your life. If you are looking to grow as a leader, you'll get some encouragement from these ladies, as well as some great book selections to get you started. All right, ladies, it's time to get real. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast, Getting Real About. Today, we are getting real about leadership and our experiences as women in leadership. My name is Corey Middleton. I'm a longtime Gold Creek church attender. Um, Currently, I'm attending Gold Creek in Woodinville. Um, And I currently serve on the board of directors for the church and our preschool, Kids at the Creek. Um, My husband, Micah, and I just celebrated our 20-year anniversary this summer. We have two boys, ages nine and six, who are simultaneously a ton of fun and my biggest challenge. For the past two years, I've been working as an ambulatory care pharmacist, which means that I work in a doctor's office. I won't fill your prescription. But before that, I managed a retail pharmacy for just shy of 12 years. With me is my friend, Kristen Dickison. Hello. Who is, hello. <laughs> she is one of the few who can beat me in the longtime Gold Creek Attender competition. I think she's like an entire lifer. <laughs> <laughs> but Kristen is probably the best person to be having this conversation with today. She's passionate about leadership and connecting with women. And I'm so glad that we could do this together. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks. Yeah, lifer of Gold Creek. I guess it's because my dad's Pastor Dan. So I grew up in the house where the whole church was started. So by default, I think I do get one of the lifer awards. Sure. Where's my badge? You're my parking spot. <laughs> I've still been requesting my parking spot. I'll get you a trophy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm married to um, Brian Dickinson, who is also a pastor at Gold Creek at the Woodenville campus. We have a son, who, Roman, who is eight, and a daughter, Callie, who's six. And they just are a lot of fun perfect ages in my opinion Um, and I work at an aerospace company I've been doing that for quite a while now 14 years I think just enjoy working awesome (laughs) very cool well I think this is a really interesting topic for the two of us because as our listeners are going to find out we have very different like approaches to leadership and probably different leadership styles so I think everyone's going to get two very different viewpoints on this and I think it's going to be good so Yeah, and I'm so passionate, I noticed lately, about women in leadership, about how do we encourage women to take up those leadership qualities? What can I do to help? And even recently starting up a small group of women going through a leadership book, just finding little ways to influence women in our community to become better leaders. You're even trying to make me read a leadership book. I am making you read a leadership book. You're going to win one of these days. I actually purchased the book, so now I'm a proud owner and I cracked it open today. So. Yeah, we'll talk about those books uh, at the end. But <laughs> awesome. Yeah, very passionate about women in leadership. So this will be great. So I think it's important um, that we have a little level setting at the very beginning um, and really set kind of a definition of what we mean when we say leadership. Um, and maybe while we are talking about this uh, definition, our listeners can be thinking about what roles in their life might fit this description. Um, so I looked up, you know, good old Google looked up and found an article about the definition of leadership from Forbes. Um, and it defines leadership as a process of social influence, which maximizes the efforts of others towards the achievement of a goal. And I thought this was interesting because what this definition does not include is anything about a title 
Um, it doesn't include anything about seniority or a position in the hierarchy of a company. It doesn't talk about personal attributes. So like, you know, you're a strong person or you're a bold person. Um, and it definitely didn't include the word management in it. Whew. That's good. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so it made me think about it. And I kind of paraphrased that a leader sees the strengths of others and helps them shine while moving towards a common purpose or a goal. Um, and with that, a leader can be anyone. A leader is anyone. Um, and that's an important point for myself to pick up on because, you know, my personality is that I'm going to downplay my influence because I don't know enough or I'm not an expert in an area or, you know, I'm just not strong enough or maybe that I'm just not enough. And my personality is that I'm going to downplay my leadership because I don't have the appropriate title to go with it. So I loved reading that definition because it's true. We, we are leaders in so many different places in our community. And yeah. Yeah. what are some of the places where you find yourself in a leadership role, Kristen? Yeah, good question. So one in that small group, that was an interesting ability to step out and just women in leadership. Um, growing growing up in the church, there was a lot of leadership of uh, youth and young women. It was one of my passions still is today. Those same young women are the women that I continue to lead today. So that's another area of leadership of growing into a mentor position of some of those women, as well as new women in the church. Being a pastor's wife, sometimes you automatically get the title of a leader, even though that I don't work for the church and try to remind that to people daily, <laughs> but um, that is an, an area of leadership. And then my job specifically, I'm, I have a, t a title, it's not management, but chief of staff. And that is an area of leadership where it's my job to try to manage everyone in my organization of all levels of leadership to towards one goal, to make sure we are meeting the priorities and making sure we're going to meet the mission of our organization. And so that leadership and getting people in that same direction is what I would say is what I do in my day-to-day -day life in regards mm -hmm. to leadership. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that same thing for myself and um, a pharmacist really is that same thing, whether you're the manager, whether you have that title, um, if you're on duty that day, especially in a retail pharmacy, you're called the pharmacist in charge. So it's really the same thing. We're, we're moving everyone towards this goal of making sure that our patients are taken care of. And so even, you know, when I wasn't in a management role at work, I was still a leader. Um, and I was thinking about too, like in our families, we're all leaders. Um, we're maybe not the leader, but we're a leader. We're moving with our spouse or significant other towards getting our kids, you know, in the right direction and towards maintaining our relationship and, um, you know, just being a healthy family. And I think that's an important leadership position that I don't think we always think about, um, but it's one that's probably very true for most of us. Um, yeah, my greatest leadership challenge is how to lead my kids towards Christ mm -hmm. and my daily prayer to make sure that they get to know and understand Jesus. That's incredible direction and leadership that's difficult to remember on a daily basis when yeah. you just want to lead them out the door to school <laughs> so they're out of your hair. So I never it, feel like that, Kristen. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It is day. a very important leadership role 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I was thinking about what the Bible says about leadership too. Um, first Timothy chapter three gives some insight into leadership and church leadership specifically, but I think that we can apply it kind of towards our own life, but it's very, um, it describes an intimidating character to me anyways. Um, almost like, you know, when you're studying for the SAT and you have those, this is to this as this is to this first Timothy is to church leadership as Proverbs 31 is to women. And it always (laughs) feels like a very tall order and, um, something that's really hard to obtain. Um, and then also I was looking at Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, um, that talks about among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Um, and I, for me, that's more the type of leadership that I'm comfortable with. Um, can I lead by serving you somehow? Can I be busy sometimes, um, and help you out with something and, um, you know, show you that I'm willing to get in it with you. And that's more the leadership that I feel like I do better at. I just got asked that question in an interview. What is your leadership style? And I said, servant leadership. But then I was kind of thinking later, did I just tell, and it happened to be a whole panel full of men. Did I just tell all these men that I'm going to be their servant? Like that didn't seem right. (laughs) But, um, you know, Jesus is the ultimate servant leader for sure. And uh, I do believe that is one of the better leadership positions, because if I can help make sure my team has what they need and whether it be resources, it doesn't necessarily mean I do it for them, mm-hmm. but do they have the resources, the support, the skills, the tool set, whatever it is they need, then we're all going to be successful. So I think yeah. that that's a great approach. And so the Bible is a great example of that in so many different places. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jesus was the ultimate servant leader. And um, it is one thing that you hear a lot about in leadership conferences. I think even in corporate pharmacy, I was hearing about it. It was kind of buzzy. It was servant leadership, servant leadership. And I think, um, the world recognizes that it's the best way to be a leader, but I don't know that they always know how to do it. And I think sometimes we don't always know how to do it. Um, so making sure we go back to the Bible for those examples is probably really important. Yeah. It turns out it has a lot of good information. What do you know? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking too, you know, we gave some definitions and some specifics that leadership isn't. And I was wondering what are some strong leadership qualities that you would use to define leadership? Oh, good question. I don't know. For me, learning to be a good leader has been learning to be accepting of myself first. So am I okay and confident in myself and my skills? And if I am, then I'm going to be a better leader. So that's one of my first things is um, I'm a person of value. Do I believe that? Yes, I do. And then another quality is just believing that other people have value. Mm -hmm. And do I value others on a daily basis and everything I do? And then the last one is, am I adding value to those people? And I think those three things of myself having value, valuing others and adding value to them defines for me, a a leader, a good leader. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Um, I think integrity is always really important too. Um, that you're someone that you keep your word and you do what you're going to, you say you're going to do. Um, and that back to that supporting thinking that your team has value. Um, the people that you're trying to lead, you have to believe in their value. You have to believe in their strengths 
and you have to be willing to let them use their strengths and to be successful in that. Um, I think I've had really good leaders in my work life that did those things for me and they made huge difference. Like um, my current boss right now has been really good at identifying areas of opportunity. There's a buzzy <laughs> word for you and, and encouraging me gently towards growing in those areas and giving me opportunity to fail, but to potentially learn. And so I think that's a really good example of a leadership quality. Um, and then also just treating your people that you're leading like um, they are important. Um, asking how are you doing? Like if you were at work, rather than just jumping into a meeting, like taking a minute, you know, what, how are you guys doing? Like what do you, are you having any barriers? Is anything bothering you? Um, you know, is there anything that we need to get out in the open first before we can get to the meat and potatoes? Um, and just that makes people feel like they are more than just a cog, that they are a valuable part of the team. Yeah, that you're leading a whole person and that mm -hmm. they're not just what they bring to work that day. They actually have a whole other life and emotions and feelings. And um, even if they're hungry or not, that brings yeah. to the table in that very moment you're interacting with them. And if you only try to lead through a specific task, you might miss something that's the whole person. But if you dress that whole person, I think you can lead better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you kind of talked about people who inspired you. Who who have been people that inspired you in leadership, Corey? In leadership? Um, I think my previous boss to the one that I have now, um, she really taught me that you can be gentle and still be very successful. She's currently one of the regional people at my work. And um, she just taught me that you can ask questions to understand, like don't assume things. Um, and you can go in and gently clarify if you're not sure of somebody's intent or what, what their motives are. Um, and so she, I think she's been a good kind of example for me. You know what I was thinking for me, it was all the bad leaders that I've had <laughs> are so the true. biggest aspirational people in my life that made me want to be a leader. Yeah. I remember thinking, I don't want to lead like that, or this is really tough. So instead of getting mad or upset, well, I'm just gonna write this down to say, this is not the type of leader I'm yeah. going to be. Uh, but obviously in the church world, watching my dad lead in a big church, going from a house church all the way to a big multi-church campus has been incredible. And leading through COVID, for both Brian and my dad have been incredible. And those are two leaders I listen to on a daily basis, lead in the church world, inspire me often to see mm -hmm. how they're pushing through things that will almost in the same day, push me to show up different at yeah. my work. So that's been fun. Yeah. So would you say that those are people that has inspired you to be a leader, your dad and Brian probably? Yeah. Good and all ones the, and all the, bad, all the bad, leaders. bad ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's been some really key women leaders at the company that I've worked with that have inspired me because of how they lead me and have brought me up in the company um, to, to lead as well, to cool. be that same person to help another person, be it a woman or a man. But specifically, I think we have a role with other women at work to mm -hmm. help bring them up and teach them the things that we're learning on how to navigate the work world. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm kind of surprised that you didn't bring up this attribute of a leader. It's the vulnerability word. Because <laughs> of the book we're reading, the book Brene Brown, reading. Yeah. Uh, Dare to Lead. Yeah, vulnerability is what we're learning. It sounds like it's not something that should be fun, but it is a key critical point to being a leader. Yeah. And that is true. And it, it's hard to find vulnerability in really strong, strong leaders, but the really good leaders are vulnerable. But yeah. that's a good one. I think the thing that I was picking up from this book about vulnerability is that it's not just vulnerability for vulnerability's sake. It's not just blabbing every flaw or thing going wrong, but it's being real. It's just being real um, and letting other people be real with you. But still as a leader, there's like a level of vulnerability and there will be some things that you don't need to blab about. Yeah, I tried it the other day when I had messed up on missing a deliverable at work. Instead of trying to avoid it or stuff it down or blame someone else for it, I decided I would just be a little bit vulnerable, not completely airing at all, but saying, oh man, today I had a moment where I realized I missed something and it was really difficult, but you know what I did? I'm going to work really hard to turn it around. And, and that was good to communicate because then all of a sudden the people on the phone started opening up about things that they had done and that we were all laughing about it at the end and mm -hmm. it kind of helped us move through uh, the meeting. But yeah. to own it and be a little bit vulnerable helps people remember oh, we're not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I had a similar sharing moment on a meeting recently. And um, when you have a good team and you kind of share those vulnerabilities, you find out how much your team has your back too. Because my whole team jumped in. Oh, I can help you. Can I take that off your plate? You want to jump out of that in basket and I'll cover it for the day. Will that help you get caught up? And um, that just, that gave me so much confidence in my team and knowing that I can trust them and we all will support each other. And I wouldn't have gotten that if I didn't have that moment of vulnerability where I was like, I'm dying over here, guys. So, Yeah, and... I wonder, do you think women are more vulnerable than men or men? That's a real generalization. I don't know that I know the answer to that one yeah. yet, but I was just curious. Maybe it's personality type. I think dependent. I was going to say personality that um, I think we might be vulnerable about different things, but um, I, I wonder really if we appear more vulnerable in regards to yeah. the way people think vulnerability means, which is weak. Yeah. But um, vulnerability, not being weak, but being open and being willing to be open. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's not specific gender specific. But. Yeah, no, I think, I also think it's a learned thing because most of our, um, intuition will be to protect ourselves. And, um, when you're vulnerable, you are leaving yourself open and people can take advantage of you. Um, and, you know, it can be, it can feel like an unsafe or an uncomfortable place, but it's one of those things where there's a lot of opportunity to there. You let yourself be vulnerable and you can find out who's going to have your back. Yeah. So what do you think um, are benefits of having women in leadership? What are maybe the things that are unique to us? Yeah. I was thinking about this, um, you know, in Genesis, it talks about how God created man and women in his image. And so you know, each of us is uniquely a part of his character um, and his being. And so I think when, you know, similarly to how marriage is a man and a woman and you get that 
you know, whole picture of God and that union. I think when you have men and women in leadership, you get just all those different aspects of, you know, our strengths and our weaknesses and we balance each other out. And there's, um, you just get a, a more complete leadership. I love that you said that because that is true in a marriage that we can balance each other out. And I'm thinking about my specific work, um, my, my executive or my boss will often be on a specific mission to work on, on some metric or some goal. And I'll often try to remind him of the emotions the team's feeling or what's the culture like on our team and really trying to think of the hearts and minds. And, a, and I'll try to start with a funny activity to try to loosen people up or make people feel more comfortable because I'm I'm caring or or sensitive to how people are feeling where he is specifically task driven. I don't think that's just men and women, but in this specific case, Mm -hmm. how him and I work together is paying attention to that underlying emotional intelligence of the team. Yeah. And I think that's just kind of a a benefit of diversity in general in leadership and why I think it's so important because you're going to get different perspectives, different strengths and weaknesses, and we're, we're all going to balance each other out. I was wondering, um, what do you think is the most significant barrier to females in leadership? I know for me, it has been the choice to have a family I see a lot of women in my career who have made it to higher levels of leadership. Some have um, family in regards to kids, um, but many don't. And it does seem like it's a barrier in regards to, I have to make a one for one decision. If I'm going to take this management job, that means I will have less time with my children. Therefore, I will delay management and choose my children. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it impacts my leadership specifically, because we know it doesn't include titles. (laughs) But um, that ability to influence a great amount of people in a management role is impacted or or limited. Yeah. And that making sure I have the work-life balance or saying, and I have said no many times to positions that would have impacted my life. And I don't think in the past, men would typically do that in careers. They would continually push forward, work long hours, travel. There was no limitation. It was expected. Yeah. Um, and that's not expected of women. I think we're shifting the paradigm a little bit. Um, in the book, Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, she talks about how in order for women to progress in leadership, we have to be accepting of men staying at home with kids and being uh, making that a social norm of mm-hmm. we if women it was okay for to stay at kid uh, at home with your kids then it should be a social norm for men too if we want le- women to progress in leadership uh, not that it always has to happen that way there can be both leaders in a relationship but that was mm-hmm. a really interesting concept that I had to learn uh, in that we want women to be leaders but we also someone needs to support them if they're going to continue into big huge leadership roles. Yeah. Do you think I I hadn't thought about it that way? And so I was remembering all the times I said no to, you know, progressing beyond the level that I was at. Um, And for me, it was never a hard decision. Um, But I wonder, was it ever, has it ever been a hard decision for you? Have you felt held back by that? Because I was always like, no, I, I became a pharmacist because at the time I knew that I would be able to work part-time 
and help support my family and have that balance. Um, and so for me, it was always piece of cake. Nope. I know exactly. I am where, in fact, I told a boss one time, he was like, what, you know, what are your goals? And I was like, actually I've made it. (laughs) I work 30 hours a week. I get to be home with my kids four days a week. I like my job. I'm here. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's career suicide, but it seems to have worked out well for me. Um, but I just wonder, have, has that been a hard choice for you to make? Oh, it's been really, really difficult for me. Um, probably because if you know the Enneagram at all, I'm an Enneagram type three achiever. And I think I need to achieve a management title or the highest level of management to feel like I'm a leader, um, which I continually am reminding myself that is not the case. Um, But I remember specifically a management job early in my career. I think it only been there six years and I got offered a management position and I turned it down. And I remember very feeling very sad that I couldn't progress in that area of leadership. Cause then I, I think sometimes, well, where would I be at now if I had gotten that exposure to how you deal with people and people management and d- difficult scenarios and situations that I might not have experienced now. Now, I think I've found a way to manufacture that in different roles and stepping up in leadership. But I, I remember that being very hard and still sometimes is when you, especially when you watch your male counterparts who there was one specifically who didn't have a family or, or a wife, like a wife or kids. And he progressed very quickly through the chain. And that was difficult to watch thinking, well, we came at the same time. We have the same skills, but he doesn't have limitations. And watching that was difficult. Yeah. It can be hard not to think of your kids or your family as a limitation in that. Um, but I think, you know, remembering that God's working all things for our good and that if that is the spot where we find ourselves in life, um, that we just got to hold on and keep pushing forward and following, you know, God's plan for our life. And eventually we're going to get either to where we thought we wanted to be or someplace even better. So I think that's some encouragement for me anyways. Yeah. And I honestly think kids make me a better leader. So there's been this thought of, well, maybe it didn't allow for specific titles. But when I think back to that whole person rounded leadership, the ability to have patience, the ability to communicate my language in a right way, all sorts of skills that our children teach us and our husbands, how you get through conflict and compromise and all of that, you really learn a lot. Um, and it, it translates into the workplace. So yeah. I don't think I'm, I've lost those skills. They just showed up in a little different area. That's yeah. hard I was definitely thinking when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, lots of opportunity for practice, <laughs> lots of opportunity, conflict and resolution and communication skills and all of that. Um, So I wonder how have you built confidence and resiliency as you wait for these opportunities and um, in leadership or management? It's been trying to be confident in myself, like I mentioned earlier, but the way I do that the most, and you know this about me, Corey, is I read, read, read. (laughs) I want to become the most knowledgeable person on all things leadership, especially women in leadership. I feel more confident when I have knowledge and ideas of how to take a hard situation and make it easier. Um, they're, they're just different routes in my mind that I have buried in there that when I approach a situation, 
it will come to mind. It will come to the front of my mind. And that's given me confidence. And I think with, with time, with years, it's really helped. I remember the first day I got hired, I, I remember thinking, oh no, I'm not smart enough to be here. <laughs> Something went wrong in the hiring process and they made a mistake. I am not smart enough. And then as time went along and I built the skills, I remember thinking, oh, I can do this. What, what was yeah. I thinking? That's silly. Yeah. And every, every role I go into, I feel like that. Yeah. Right? I, that imposter syndrome. Oh, I, yeah. I totally identify with that. I think that's probably my personal biggest barrier to leadership. Um, I think, you know, my biggest struggle is believing that when God says, go here, he's going to give me the tools I need to go there and to do that. Um, you know, my, my husband is my biggest cheerleader and he always tells me I'm so great and so smart. And, um, I have girlfriends that will shake me by the shoulders and say, you've got this, you can do this. But, um, really remembering that if I am called into an area or if I am put in a position of leadership by God, that I'm going to be successful that I can rely on him and I can rely on the gifts and the previous experiences he has provided me. Um, but I, that imposter syndrome, I, I feel you on that one. <laughs> and I don't believe that you have it. <laughs> well, I You're so also confident, think Kristen. I've been one of your biggest cheerleaders watching yes, you, you have <laughs> watching you um, step up in leadership positions, whether it be leading a panel of women in front of the stage or doing our offering talks, um, even just leading amongst your coworkers and how you lead and help the women who are having difficult scenarios, you find a way to be the middle person and get everyone through it all. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Corey <laughs> just, just really handled that very well. So it's been fun to watch you and your leadership, but I know you're talking about that imposter syndrome and that's why we need good people around us to remind us of who mm -hmm. we are, what skill set we have. And for me, in, in my specific personality type, it's remembering that I'm not what I produce. That's not yeah. my value. My value is who I am in God mm -hmm. and like how having my identity there and not just what I produce in my job. And that's very important for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I have always, like, if you noticed when I introduced myself, I listed like my relationships first and my job was last because I firmly believe that we are not what we produce. We are not what we do. We are a product of our relationships and those should be the most important thing. Um, so I hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, I always think of the story of Esther when I'm deep in the middle of my own imposter syndrome, you know, her, her cousin Mordecai said, look, you are the girl for the job. You're here. You have to do something. And she's like, but you know, what, what if it goes wrong? And he's like, look, you're dead. If you don't, maybe you're not dead if you do, <laughs> but like, you're definitely dead if you don't. And I, you know, maybe that's a little morbid, but sometimes it's true. Like if I don't, I stay in one spot, but if I do, I might fail, but I might learn something too. And it might be one more step forward, which I think is important in leadership, you've always got to be moving forward. Yeah, she was an interesting one on how she really had to step up and save her whole race, essentially, her yeah. whole community of um, belief, and it, it needed her leadership. And she had to step up in an area that was threatening of death. Yeah. 
Yeah. And wow, that's, you know, not the same as me trying to lead a meeting. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> the stakes are a lot lower. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she's a really great one to read the book of Esther. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership. And Mordecai was kind of her mentor, you'd almost think. Um, and I'm wondering what, what are your thoughts on mentors, Kristen? Yeah, mentors. I went to a women and leadership conference, of course, and they talked about two different people you need in your life. And it was interesting because I hadn't thought of this, but you need a mentor and you need a sponsor and that they're different. You need a mentor to help walk you through your day to day, what's happening, how they can coach you through what to do next. They might know a little bit about your work and they can give you a little pass of where to go. But a sponsor is what uh, men naturally have and women are learning to get, which is another person who is willing to, to pull you up and bring you where you need to go. And I just experienced this the other day where I was feeling a little frustrated with where I was at. And I talked to one of the women leaders I worked with before, and she just said, um, you know what, Kristen, you've got this. I know where I, you need to go. I'll put you in contact with these five different people. In fact, I already sent an email and told them about how great you are. And it was a little awkward because it was her job. So I think they, she just, <laughs> she just told them to hire me for her job, which might allude to the fact that she's leaving her job. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> but, um, it was a sponsor. She was a sponsor. She's sponsoring me to other people of, of almost like building my brand for me, mm -hmm. putting her name on me saying this person is able to go up. So what do I think? I think you need both. Um, a mentor is easier to find. A sponsor is harder to mm -hmm. find. Uh, for me, there's been times where I thought, I don't need a mentor. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going up. I don't want to go up. I want to stay where I'm at. And then I feel like I got really stagnant. And then when I got a mentor back in my life, I thought, oh, wow, I needed this very badly. Yeah. And it's because I needed someone to think through what I was um, experiencing. Um, and I confused the two, the mentor and the sponsor. I thought, well, because I'm not going up, I don't need a mentor. Um, well, I did still yeah. need a mentor. I just might not have needed a sponsor in that specific time. So they have different roles. And different, different roles. Yeah. yeah. And I think a mentor to talk through what you have going on at work is, is very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I have um, a gal that actually goes to Gold Creek here that I work with, and she has been a great mentor to me. Um, just always encouraging and, you know, reminding you, you know, yeah, maybe you have reminding me, maybe you, Corey, have this weakness, but you know how to improve that weakness. Remember, you have these tools and you can go here for this information and you can work through that and you can grow. And so, like you were saying, a mentor can help you maybe identify some weaknesses or areas that you need to improve on so that you can continue to grow. And then they cheer you along, you know, they yeah. say, yeah, you can do this. See, look, you did it right there. Um, and just remind you of successes that you have had too. Yeah. And sometimes your mentors become your sponsors because yep. they see how hard you're working on things and they go, oh man, I need to get them into this job or they'll pull you into their job or yeah. wherever they're, they're at. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a mentor that wasn't job related? Yes, I have had a mentor that wasn't job related. And sometimes mentors don't always have to be older than you. And I would say this person is the same age or in a very similar um, age range as me. 
Um, and for me, what that looked like was someone who was willing to listen and um, ask me questions to help provide me. It was almost like a coach versus a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was very valuable for me, especially in the church world. Sometimes when things are happening in the church, especially as a pastor's wife, I don't know um, who to talk to or share what to share because I don't want to um, talk about someone in the church or be gossiping or sharing. So when I'm able to share with a mentor, especially this person was outside of the church in a different state, being able to share through the scenario. And that person was able to say, uh, you're being dumb, Kristen, you need to get over this, or you need to have forgiveness and radical forgiveness and move forward. Um, and that for sure helps. Um, but also my mom's always been my long lifetime, lifetime mentor, and she gives it to me tough. She, I love she your mom. tells she tells it like it is. <laughs> Shout out to Audrey. <laughs> but I take it cuz she's a wise woman. Whew, yeah. There's wisdom there for sure. Yeah, I remember in Mops we had mentor moms and they were always a mom who was in a different phase of motherhood, you know, oh, yeah. usually past where we were. Um and it was just nice to have that other perspective especially as a mom. Basically it's a new leadership position for me and um to be going through all the little kid stuff that you're trying to figure out, especially with your first kid. Um, and it was just nice to have that mentor basically who could say, I know it's hard right now. It's okay that you haven't cleaned your shower in seven months. You'll live. It'll be okay. Um, I just, I remember crying about that actually. <laughs> and, you know, just to have someone walk through that with you who's been there and say, it'll be okay. You've got this. Here's your next step, right? Don't stay where you're at in it. Take the next step. Um, and that's really valuable. Especially in the area of motherhood, mm-hmm. we need mentor moms. Yeah. And I can think of a lady in our church who has grown men who have all been outstanding men. Mm-hmm. And we all go to her and go, what did you do? And I, I should say she has a daughter too. They're all just stellar yeah. kids. And we all tell us your ways. What right? have you done? <laughs> we need your advice. Do you have room to mentor 40 women? <laughs> Can you fit that into your schedule? And she does. She yeah. does. She totally gives us good advice. And a lot of the ladies in our church at Woodenville have helped us in mm-hmm. that area of even we were coaching a soccer team the other day. And one of the, one of the moms said, um, Brian, he was a coach just uh, here's some things you can do, get this role and this role and this role. And then that when you coach, it's not that bad. And he did it. And then it was like the best advice ever. So we, we need those women. Yeah, in our for life. sure. Yeah. Um, how about um, getting promoted? Do you think it's difficult for women to get promoted? When I was thinking about this in our work, um, I do think there is a difficulty in getting promoted. At least for me, I know I've experienced some difficulty in that. Uh, I have watched some women get promoted very quickly. Um, so it's interesting to see what that X factor is that mm-hmm. causes them to get promoted quickly. Um, but have you seen that? I don't, I don't know. In the pharmacy world, it might yeah. be different. I think I'm just thinking about like my hierarchy and they're all women. Um, so I think in medicine, maybe not so much, but I do think that, you know, having children and having a family can be a little bit of a barrier you know, it's not supposed to be, but I think it affects the choices that we make and the experiences that we get to have and when we get to have them. And so that can definitely be a factor 
in, you know, when people are looking at promoting and hiring and moving people into new positions? I think this shift in the women's movement towards making sure there's equality in the workforce has definitely impacted our business. And we are seeing a lot of women who are reaching the higher levels of leadership in um, the company and they're like devoted to making that better. Uh, It does though, the imposter syndrome. Then I start to worry, well, if we are getting it, is it because we're now diversity uh, percentage trying to up it or is it really because of our skills? Did we earn that or is it just given to us? Yeah. Yeah. But I know we earned it because we're good. We work hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there was something that you said that um, I was just thinking about how maybe one of the benefits of our current COVID situation is that there's more flexibility with remote working and, um, you know, being able to do things not in a specific location. That's probably going to help promote that a little bit. Yeah, I remember before COVID, a meeting in which I had to report on and my daughter was being so loud and having the biggest fit of her entire life. And I was two seconds from having to go off a of mute. And I went into my room, I locked the door and then I went into a closet and then I did my report out from the closet just so that I could have a quiet moment. Now people, the other day, uh, one of um, the men in, that I was working with was talking and his kids were having a heyday in the background <laughs> and it was very distracting, but he just talked through it just like it was nothing. I'm like, wow, isn't that nice? Kudos to him. It just normalized for <laughs> yeah. all of us that ability that, well, kids are around and yeah, they're uh, part of life. We all have families and other things going on. And yeah, I do think that leveled the playing field a little bit. Yeah. For sure. It'll probably be very beneficial to us <laughs> as women in leadership. Um, I think sometimes we'll get caught up in a title or like a role that we want without asking, is that what God has for us? Even if it's right now, you know, maybe it's something that we need to push off a little bit. But um, I think, you know, for myself, if if he has answered that question, he said, yes, this is for you right now, then I need to trust that he is going to equip me. Um, you know, I might not always feel confident about my abilities. I might not feel like I can actually do what I've been asked to do. Um, but if I know that God's going to keep his promise, that he has this plan for me, he's not going to burn me down. He's going to take me to this place that he has set up for me, um, then I have to keep going, you know? And I think as long as, you know, I'm asking him, you know, is this your will for me? Am I supposed to go after this promotion? Am I supposed to go after this job change? Um, you know, I did that two years ago. It was terrifying. (laughs) I was so terrified and you were there, you know, um, I already knew the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I knew what you needed. To yeah, do. I know. But Kristen, I'm glad you went to God. Kristen knows it. everything. <laughs> God confirmed it. Yes, he did. <laughs> but he, you know, like I have to trust him. You know, I have to be faithful. And if I'm asking the question, he's going to answer. And even if all I know is the very next small step, then I have to take that step. Um, if you're following along with us in the New Testament reading that we're doing in Matthew this week, um, chapter 11, Um, there was kind of an interesting example of this. And John the Baptist was in jail and he heard about Jesus and he sent his disciples, John sent his disciples to Jesus to say, 
wait, are you the guy? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one? And Jesus says, you know, well, what do you think? Look at all the things that are happening. And then he goes on and he says, oh, and by the way, you know, remember that prophecy in Malachi 3.1? That's John. And so I just think it's so interesting that John doesn't even know what he's paving the way for. He knows he's paving the way and he's being obedient and he's doing what God asks him to do, but he literally doesn't even recognize for sure that it's Jesus. And I, that relates to my own personal experiences. Like I just have to do the next step. You know, even if I don't know where I'm going specifically or what the end result is going to be, or even if I'm going to have my own definition of success in it, that I'm going to trust and I'm going to take that small step and keep obeying God and moving forward. I love that, Corey, because I have two things that I've done. One is the prayer. I pray for open and shut doors. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of shut doors lately and it's unfortunate, but they're so obvious, like wind blowing the door shut hard, shut doors, shaking the windows shut. (laughs) Yeah. But I pray, one of the things I've done is trying to pray that prayer. And that was a hard thing to adjust to. Um, But that's been helpful because then when I do get those um, turn down offers or or it doesn't work out, I just think, well, I did pray for that. So thank you, God. (laughs) It even becomes a thankful moment. Yeah. And the other thing is a God box in which I put all of the worries, the things that really stick on my head. And one of them that's in there currently is that um, I will wait until God's timing to go into management. And so I just wrote, God, that's in your timing. And I give this to you. And that was a hard thing to let go of too. And then I think, well, that's been in there for, I don't know, a good year now. Oh, it's not answered. And it bothers me. And then all these shut doors. And, but then I think, what is God doing with that? What is happening? What's bigger? What do I not see? Kind of like what John was preparing for. He didn't always see. So what, what are you doing, God? What are you paving the way for? There's some reason. Yeah. And to be willing to be content where I'm at and work hard as if I'm working for God in the meantime. Yeah. And I think it brings it all the way back to that vulnerability too. Um, as a leader, it's okay sometimes to say, you know, we need to take this next step and I'm not exactly sure what the result's going to be, but this is where we need to go. So let's start moving that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's okay as a leader to not have all the answers all the time. Yeah. And my mentor just said to me, just hold tight. And I wanted to say, no, that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted a step. I want some direction. Um, but, but yeah, that, that step for me was just to be patient and yeah. holding out for the right thing and not taking a step of my own. Which yeah. Is good. Yeah. But sometimes you do have to take a step and say, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, God, but please shut the door if I'm going in the wrong direction. Yeah. That and I, he too. always will. Right. Yeah. Um, I, when we start finding ourselves banging our heads against those closed doors, that's when you have a problem. The closed door itself is not a problem, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, it's an answer. It is. Uh, oh. It doesn't feel like it. No, no. It <laughs> feel like gives a you a little bit of a headache, <laughs> a little bit of anger, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a little bit of self-doubt or imposter syndrome, all of the things. All of them. But maybe then God's just like, I'm here. Come back. I, yeah. I'm here for you. <laughs> Left turn right over here. Yeah. So, Ready for my leadership book list? Oh, yes. Corey? Kristen. <laughs> Kristen really is like I, one of the things I love about her. I told her this today is 
she is all about knowledge and learning. And so she's read all these books, but she's also like, she will chase after feedback. And I told her today, I'm like, I don't like feedback because they're going to destroy me. And then I'm going to feel terrible about myself. But Kristen, like she can actively seek that feedback and learn from it. And so just that, you know, try accumulating knowledge is so valuable just for me too, from getting to suck that knowledge off of you. She does all the reading for me. So share your books, Kristen. Yeah, it was the, it was that interview where I said I would be a servant leader. And then I, I got like some generated, auto-generated thing that I didn't get selected for it. Excuse me, I need feedback. Yeah. <laughs> Tell I me why. I said I'd be your servant. I said I'd be your servant. Why am I not the right one for the job? Oh, that was good. But uh, it's just because I, yeah, I would love to improve. But, you know, sometimes the, often the answer is it's just not the right fit for the right time. And yeah. I don't even want it anyways, but I, I want them to want me to, <laughs> to want it. Um, all right. So the reality is there's too many books and there's too many things that fit all of the different scenarios. So I'll just tell you my top favorites. Um, if for women, we're not very good at salary negotiations. And I've learned this in my last pay raise, I negotiated my salary and succeeded. And I negotiated, I think by an extra $10,000. That was a big deal for me. It felt really difficult. I had a coach alongside me, my best friend to tell me, no, you don't take anything less. Um, but Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss is a wonderful book. He's an FBI negotiator and you get to listen to cool negotiation stories, but then he teaches you techniques on how to negotiate one of the chapters is on salary. And I think for women, we need that advice uh, the most. Yeah. Uh, Necessary Endings is another one by Henry Cloud. Just about anything by Henry Cloud you'll find is gold. But um, this is essentially teaching you that in life, there are a lot of necessary endings. Uh, Your kids moving out of your house or going to college is a necessary ending. So don't be surprised by it plan for it. Um, People in your work, if you're a manager and you have people that are amazing, they're going to leave you at some point in time. How how do you prepare for these necessary endings that you're not caught off guard? He talks about how they're often beneficial for both parties, even when you have to fire someone. If you ever have to fire someone, read this book. It is so good. Um, We mentioned Dare to Lead, lots about emotions at work and vulnerability, uh, but it's very good. And who wrote that one again? That's Brene Brown. And then Leadership Anxiety by Steve Cuss is one that is maybe not as popular yet, but it should be rising because it is incredible. And it's just how you identify anxiety in your body. And it turns out I had anxiety. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) think I did. But when he talks about it and what's cool about him is he was um, an ER chaplain. And so he talked about really high anxiety moments where he had to tell people that someone they loved had passed away. And how do you get through that anxiety moment? Mm -hmm. And it it was really interesting stories, but really good advice. Um, And then um, the nine types of leadership, which is Enneagram at work. And if you know me, love it. you know Enneagram. <laughs> love it. The more I learn about the Enneagram, the more I'm like, whoa, yes. Yeah. It is so on point. Even just to how like, I respond to things or why I respond to things. I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense. 
that one told me why I get so frustrated in meetings and it told me how to work through it. That's great. <laughs> and it was really good. It, it taught me a lot. Um, but if you want to know how to become a, a better leader in general, the one I just went through with a bunch of women is the five levels of leadership and allows you to assess yourself as a leader, determine what level you're on. And it gives you a path of how to grow to be a better lever, leader. And on level five is the pinnacle. It's the biggest leader. Um, only really amazing people seem to get to that level. Um, but I loved it because it helped give you some really practical things on how to move through work, becoming a better leader. Awesome. But don't read those alone. Read it with a group of people. Start a small group. Yeah. That's what I did with the five levels of leadership. I had the book and I just thought, you know, I don't want to do it alone. So here's some other people. Then we read through it together and it was so wonderful. Yeah. And none of them had management positions but they all were leaders and yeah. are still becoming leaders. And then all of a sudden you kind of have five built-in potential mentors. That's you right. Support each other and yeah. um, spur each other on. So, well, hopefully this um, discussion has helped us all to identify areas of leadership in our own lives, whether it's at work or at home or among friend groups, um, and maybe inspired you, our listeners, to work on your leadership skills. Um, Kristen, it's been so much fun to have this discussion with you. And with you. Awesome. She, you are always down to talk about leadership. Um, and I always appreciate your perspective and your enthusiasm, um, as well as your friendship and your encouragement. So. And you're always modeling leadership and showing everyone how to do it. And watch Corey if you want to know how to handle really awkward uh, moments up on stage. She just does like a star job. Like when you try and talk into your phone instead of the microphone. <laughs> that didn't work. Just so you know, <laughs> I can mentor you in that way. Don't do that. <laughs> well, I want to thank our listeners so much for joining us today as we got real about leadership. I hope this will help you identify areas of influence in your own lives and embrace leadership roles with confidence. Our next episode will air on Wednesday, February 9th, and we hope you will join us as we will be getting real about self-image. <laughs>